Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. I used to play soccer. And on one of my soccer teams, there was a specific guy who decided that one day he wasn't going to warm up with the team anymore. See, we would all come out of the field house and start warming up with the team, but he would be on the other side of the field doing his own thing. He didn't think the warm up that the coach prescribed was good enough. He also thought that he needed to be away from everyone to get his mind right before the big game. He believed so much in his own way that he neglected the orders of our coach. Needless to say, we didn't do very well during this short and very odd series of games. The team lacked unity and that player didn't play well because he started to blame everyone else for his lack of success. The truth is he was trying to behave like he was the coach. He didn't want to submit to authority. Fortunately, he eventually came to his senses. He stopped doing what was right in his own eyes and started following the coach's game plan. Almost instantly, things started to change for the better. Imagine that. Perhaps some of today's celebrity athletes could take a cue from my old soccer teammates change of heart, but that's another topic for another podcast altogether. You and I, we have a real life to live that is so much more important than a soccer match. What does it look like when people do what is right in their own eyes with everyday decisions? Well, today we get a firsthand look at the answer to this question as we close out the book of Judges. And we've been seeing this time and time again as we've read through this book. Pastor Ben said yesterday that the train had officially left the tracks. Well, now I think the train has crashed into a city and is running straight through downtown, putting everyone's life in danger. We're in the Old Testament here in Judges 19 through 21, again, as we close out this book of the Bible. Now, chapters 19 through 21, they kind of feel like a sin sandwich, for lack of a better term. Chapter 19 starts off with, in those days when there was no king in Israel. And the whole book closes with, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And in between, there's some interesting events, to say the least. I'll run through these interesting events to recap. First, a Levite takes a concubine, which is a female servant or slave, and her usual duties were to bear children for her male master. And I want to pause for a moment. I think it's important to remember that there are passages in scripture that are prescriptive and those that are descriptive. Uh, Much of what we're reading today is descriptive, just telling us what's happened. But just because the characters we read about today do things that contradict God's moral standards doesn't mean that God condones these actions. As a matter of fact, we can be sure that he doesn't prescribe these just by the presence of our opening and closing verses. All right, back to our interesting events. The Levite, and his concubine, they stay with her father for several days. They leave and then arrive at Gibeah, which belongs to the tribe of Benjamin, and that'll be important in a moment. And the sojourner takes them in, which is completely ironic and telling, really, because here's this man who's not a resident of Gibeah. He's not a he's not a part of the tribe of Benjamin, but he's taking them in off the streets to care for them when no one else would. Now, you might have caught the eerie similarities here between this story and the one told in Genesis 19, starting in verse 4, which is when Lot is hospitable to the two angels in Sodom. Uh, the author of Judges no doubt drew these parallels, perhaps tipping their hat to the reality that the current day was just as evil, or even more so than the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, the locals, they violate and kill this concubine under the watch of the Levite, nonetheless. Now, the Levite then takes her away and callously cuts her into 12 pieces and then sends those pieces uh, to the 12 tribes of Israel. 
Then all of Israel, they come against the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin is defeated and only 600 men remain. Then the rest of Israel out of the out of kind of an act of regret and not wanting to see the tribe of Benjamin completely wiped out, form a strange plan to provide wives for the tribe of Benjamin. First, they kill the men of Jabesh Gilead to take those wives and give them to the tribe, but there really wasn't enough women. So now they go to these dancing daughters of Shiloh, where they decide to steal wives for them. Remember, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And we see that clearly through these events. Now, before we read these accounts and gasp or roll our eyes, which is complete, is a completely understandable response, we have to ask ourselves some honest questions, though, really to set the tone for where we're at. I mean, although as a society, we don't condone concubines, don't we produce some of the most pornography out of any country in the world? And although as a society, we don't condone cutting people up, don't we celebrate women's rights to cut up their babies if they get in the way of their personal freedom? And although as a society, we don't condone stealing wives for needy men, don't we have an epidemic of human trafficking for the very same purpose, if not worse? I mean, so how different are we as a culture? How different are we in our nation as we look at this situation and gasp or roll our eyes? And then what do we do to see it change? Here we are sitting in a very kind of similar situation in a culture that slowly but surely is making all of these evil things seem normal. What do we do? How do we have a society full of people doing what is right according to the Lord? Well, we obey the commands of the Lord found in scripture. Those of us who have put our trust in Christ, we need to obey all the more. We need to see dead people come to life. We need to be preaching the gospel and making disciples as Jesus told us to do first in our homes, then in our community, and finally around the world. And so here's a challenge for all of us. Is our home guided by the word of God or is everyone in our home doing what is right in their own eyes? Something to ponder today is everyone in our home doing what is right in their own eyes because eventually we see what this type of thinking, this type of behavior results in. And let's praise God for two things today. First, the word of God, that that we can know what is actually right in God's eyes. What is his way? Will we know we've been given the word of God? Second, let's praise God for the Holy Spirit, that we can have the strength to follow God's way, that he can guide us. He can counsel us in his way. He can help us to walk strong on the path. Now, when we do follow God's way, our troubles They're not completely over, but they simply take a different form. Let's move to the Gospels portion of our reading in Mark 6, 1 through 13. This passage opens up with Jesus arriving at his hometown of Nazareth. They begin by marveling, at least this audience does, at his teaching and his miracles, but then then they take offense at him. I think we can assume this is a bit of jealousy. And I think this is a good place to pause and remember that Jesus was fully human. I mean, his humanity was so pervasive that these people, the people closest to him in his hometown, they couldn't comprehend that he was God. And so we think about Christ's humanity, and and this should really kind of heighten our view of God and heighten our view of what Christ did by living the perfect life. And then Jesus, he kind of marvels at their unbelief. He he can't believe their unbelief in some sense. After this, he sends the apostles out two by two. This is where we see him send out the apostles 
where they were to preach repentance, but to leave dramatically when a place would not receive them. It says that Jesus told them to shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Well, what's that about? What's this shaking the dust all about? Well, it was a Jewish custom to do this when leaving a Gentile region as a act of cleansing, so to speak. Perhaps Jesus is using this imagery and process as a way for the disciples to move on and trust that God will ultimately judge that town for the rejection of the gospel that they were bringing to them. They were also to bring nothing with them except the staff. And this would really force the disciples to rely on the generosity of those who received the message of repentance and believed. And like I said earlier, when we do follow God's way, our troubles aren't over, but they simply take a different form. We will be rejected by the world when we align ourselves with Jesus Christ. But we can take courage from this passage that we shouldn't dwell on this. We can move on and trust the Lord. He will ultimately work his plan the way that he sees fit. It's our job to ultimately follow God's way, not do what is right in our own eyes. It's really easy to be tempted to do this. It would be easy to be tempted to do this as the disciples, as they went out and they were processing through their own eyes, through their own hands and feet as they uh, embarked on this mission, but they trusted Christ. Perhaps you've shared the gospel with someone recently, or maybe You've not participated in a family event due to your convictions or something like that. Whatever heat you may have taken or will take for aligning with Christ and God's way, remember this, what you're experiencing, it isn't unfamiliar to Christ himself or the apostles. I mean, Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So Christ, he can empathize with us being misrepresented. There was no one who's ever been more misrepresented than Christ himself. And God is with us and he will, and we will be with him for all of eternity. Those who do what is right in their own eyes, they will only be doing that for so long. For us though, we have an eternity of perfect glory with Christ that lays ahead. So stay strong, keep running. Don't give up. No matter the cost, do what is right by the Lord and trust his promises. And although we may be rejected or worse, even betrayed, we can gain confidence and encouragement from the truth of Psalm 55 today. Psalm 55, 16 through 23 is our passage for today. And as Pastor Ben pointed out yesterday, this Psalm details the act of being betrayed. But then in verse 16, we see a powerful theme that is displayed throughout all of scripture. It says, but I call to God and the Lord will save me. Those who do what is right in their own eyes don't call to God. They call to a lot of other things that can't ultimately deliver. And we as new creations and children of God should call out to God and he will answer. If you fill in the blank with anything else, other than what is written in the Psalm, the rest of the scriptures, they don't apply to us. If we say, but I call to money, but I call to success, but I call to family, but I call to my own strength. I call to alcohol, but I call to my spouse, but I call to vacation, but I call to my possessions, but I call to an experience. And the list goes on and on of all the things that we can call to in our time of need, but we need to call to God. You know, Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're a Christian, a born again, child of God, then you got saved by calling on the name of the Lord. There's no other way to be saved. Now, as you sit here as a child of God today, don't stop calling on the name of the Lord. When God saved us, he didn't take us to be with him in that instant. 
We have a job here to do. We are called to make disciples. We are called to do what is right in his eyes, not our own. But the only way that will grow in our ability to obey him is if we keep calling on his name and no other. Now, while we're on this journey, we're going to need some good support in our lives. In our New Testament passage, and as we close our the book of Romans today, we see again Paul's emphasis on keeping the right company. We're in Romans 16, 17 through 27. Paul starts off saying, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive for your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as, as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Although rejection is common and false teachers exist who will try to distract us and pull us away from the mission, hearing from those in the body who are following God's way at all costs is always encouraging. And we see that Paul passes on a few final greetings from fellow believers here. Very encouraging. But as Paul wraps up this amazing letter, he points his audience to the greatest encouragement of all, the person of Jesus Christ, his strength, his message, and remembering that it's all for his glory. It's not about you. We're reminded this time and time again in scripture. It's not about me. It's not about any of us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about his glory. And that's comforting when we are being rejected, when we are being persecuted, when we are being reviled for the name of Jesus Christ. We know he is empathizing with us. And ultimately it's about him. The guy in my soccer team needed to remember that it was not about him. He was on a team. He had a head coach who was ultimately in charge, and it really wasn't about him. When he finally remembered that truth and repented, we began to win again. Perhaps you and I need to be reminded today that we are on a team, and we are children of the holy God, not our coach, not some person who's just in charge for a short time, but this is our king. We must have a high view of our God, a high view of our king. It's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ the King. And he is a loving God who answers us when we call to him. No matter where we're at in this journey or what evil surrounds us, we can always have confidence in the truth. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today and Revival from the Bible. I'll be filling in for Ben Blakey until he's back on Monday, May 10th. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.